Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. I'm very excited for today's guest. She is raw. She is real. Her name is Juan uh, Dolagoski. I cannot pronounce it, guys. Dolagoski. And I knew I would screw it up. Uh, No, that's okay. That's okay. It's not an easy name to pronounce, that's for sure, but you got it. (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm super excited to have you on. I've been really obsessed with your content lately, like constantly resharing it because I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Like that needs to be said. Um, And I want to talk a little bit more about your message and social media. But before we do that, let's talk about what even got you into fitness in the first place. Oh, my gosh. Well, I grew up and I'm going to date myself because I'm, I, know, I know I'm older than you, but maybe some of your audience might know, um, you know, back when Jane Fonda came out with her videos like step aerobics, um, cardio, that cardio era. Um, so it's just I just got into fitness um, when I was like what, sophomore in high school um, and just was active all my life. But I really didn't get serious, like really serious with my training and nutrition until I was 44. So mm-hmm. I spent like three decades, like just all, all about the cardio life and restricting and dieting and things like that, not understanding what it really took to change your body. Um, so yeah, it took a long time, but I've always been active through like with endurance sports and marathons and things like that it was a very active um, but yeah. a strength training, like a progressive overload training program, it wasn't until I was 44. So it was much later in life. Yeah. I remember when I first started working out, I was also more of like a sophomore. And the only thing I felt comfortable with was cardio. So my mom is from like the 90s. Um, and she had yeah. the Tybo workout kickboxing yeah. video. Yeah. So I'm like as old as your mom. So you can probably, I mean, I could, she could probably relate. We could probably relate to each other. Like all those videos. Yeah. I would, I wish I had a recording of myself doing those videos because I would probably laugh at myself now, but I look back and I'm like, I just had no idea. Like I literally right. thought these little air kicks were going to like tone my body and give <laughs> me like the look I wanted. Little did I know that I like wasn't doing any favors for myself and I definitely wasn't eating enough to even make a change. Exactly. And I think that we just had misinformation at that time. We just didn't know better or we just didn't have better role models to teach us differently. Or maybe we were just in our own little bubble where we weren't exposed to it. Um, So um, yeah, just that that made me laugh, the Tybo. I think the same things though get like regurgitated, you know, it's like a young, a young woman might follow what her mom did, but then her mom did what her mom did. And, you know, it kind of is these like poor behaviors of food and exercise that get recycled and passed down. And then we don't realize that like, that's not the way to do it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even here, you know, in the States, we're not educated properly on exercise or nutrition at all. 
Exactly. I mean, it's, it needs to start in school also, like in the home also. I mean, that's very, I think that's vital. Um, what you grow up in and how you're um, taught about, you know, food and things like that has a huge impact. But I wish it would treat, teach more of this in school to like make strength training part of PE instead mm -hmm. of, you know, I mean, the other things are fun, of course, but um, I'd love to see that shift happen. And you're a mom too, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So are you trying to implement some of those practices in your household now? Uh, well, my daughter knows that my husband and I are, you know, believe in, you know, eating mostly whole food and, you know, strength training as a normal part of our life. We have a home gym. Um, she's exposed to that. She's seen us lifting. And, um, you know, me growing up with different um, how I looked at food, I didn't want her to have that same experience. So definitely I have, you know, I think I, I'm trying to break that, that cycle and making sure that, you know, we talk about fueling our bodies properly, um, you know, making sure that I don't res restrict or tolerate like label food as good or bad. I've never labeled, you know, saying that that's bad food or good, bad, good food, um, no restrictions, um, just everything in moderation. I think that's helped. She, I think, I, I believe that she has a very, very healthy body image, great relationship with food. Um, just is so, I love watching kids and how they're naturally intuitive with their food um, until as adults, we kind of teach them our old ways. And I think that's where things kind of go down the wrong path. So right now, so far, so good. I just hope that she continues to have, you know, a strong body image and a great relationship with food. Yeah. And how old is she? 13. So oh yeah so she's kind of getting to that age where yes. yeah you definitely have to be more mindful exactly and never commenting about body i would never ever say oh i look fat or i feel fat or you know nothing about that like none of those words even come up so yeah, yeah. i think that's super important i mean i used to coach gymnastics so i was around young girls all the time yeah. And like, I would try to be, you know, mindful of comments I would make. Um, but also if they would make comments on their body, I would try to correct them if it was like inappropriate because, you know, they wear a tight leotard and some of their bellies look different than the others. And they'll like yeah. grab their bellies, say like, oh, I don't like this. And it's like, no, we, we don't do that here. Like that's not appropriate. And I think it's, it does start at a young age. And now with social media, I would imagine even girls that are like nine, 10 are like having sure. like body pressure on them. Yes. Yes. It's really sad. You know, I mean, it's just, we, they are growing up in a different era that we didn't have. We didn't have that kind of social media presence. Um, so yeah, just have to be really mindful and try to just be a good role model at home and reinforcing all those positive messages. Mm -hmm. And so some of those relationships and views that you had on food that you said you didn't want to pass down, like, what would you say some of those views were and like misconceptions? Um, well, like I had, you had to cut out certain food if you were dieting or if you were on to like, you know, lose some fat, like cutting out foods, labeling food as good and bad. Um, like I, for a long time, I was afraid of carbs and I wouldn't even eat fruit. Um, it's like, so like, it's so insane, you know, thinking back, like, what did I even live off of? Um, but you know, those are the two big ones. Cars make you fat, fruit makes you fat. Um, and then 
labeling food. This is bad food. This is good, but I can't have this because of whatever rules I had in my mind. So those mm-hmm. are the two food rules that I had. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you also struggle with like food rules, I always recommend writing them out and then rationalizing them, which always helps, you know, like <laughs> carbs are bad. Okay. Let's break that down. What does that mean? Why would they be bad? But like, why are they good? You know, what do they do for you? You have to, um, a lot of the anxiety is related to fear of the unknown and lack of education. So if you just take your time and educate yourself on what those rules are, then you're going to feel better. I used to even be so restrictive to where I wouldn't eat like rice and potatoes. Like it's so sad because like I now like will eat like a whole two cups of like rice and stuff. I eat all the rice. Yeah. And I would convince myself, I'd be like, Oh, I don't like that. I'm like, you're not kidding anyone. Like who doesn't like rice, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You do try to tell your, tell yourself lies to justify where you are. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Same with me, bread, rice, you know, pizza for sure. Cookies, like all that stuff, you know, unacceptable. And you've competed before too. So did you enter the competition space with a better relationship with food? And then did it regress? Like, did you finally get better and regress or what did that look like? No. So what happened was I hired a, an online coach for the first time in 2017 and because I had it, like at that point I was like spinning my wheels and, and you know, I consider myself an educated person, um, but I, I was stubborn. I was stuck in my ways and I'm like, you know what? I need someone to just tell me what to do so that I'm not going to try to justify doing it a different way. I'm just going to follow exactly what she tells me to do. It was, it was life-changing. It was a game changer. So that's when I started tracking macros and that's when I finally was able to start eating carbs and fruit and um, stop labeling food as good and bad because when you're tracking macros, you just see food for the nutritional content, not like, oh, it's an Oreo. So it's, you know, that's not any worse than, I don't know, other healthy food that things that I named as healthy, right? But they're still calorically the same. Um, so that was huge in healing my relationship with food. And, um, and I would say that it never got worse after that. It was always good. And I'm grateful for that. Cause I think if it wasn't, I think competition contest prep would have been a, a disaster, um, especially coming off of it. So, um, so yeah, so that's when it started and um, um, I lost my train of thought, but yeah, 2017 was um, having a coach was, was a game changer. So you saw that improvements with your relationship with food, with tracking macros, which I've also seen when I started tracking macros, it just helps me understand the breakdown of food um, and also the breakdown of these, you know, good foods and bad foods. And like, I think I was looking at like granola one day and granola was healthy. And then I broke it down. I was like, this shit's more than a donut, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. I made a, one time I compared like a label, like a, granola bar, a Nature's Valley granola bar, like a Snickers bar. I don't know what it was. And I'm like, what's the difference? There really is no difference. So just have the Snickers bar and not, don't try to justify it as being healthy. You know, that's the other thing. Oh, I, I did is I ate clean, which, you know, we all know what that means. Like, or, you know, it's, it's like only healthy foods, but you can overeat on healthy foods and still mm-hmm. gain weight. I mean, so yeah. It's so healthy. easy to overeat on like avocado and almonds totally. and even like dark chocolate, if you would do that, like 
and and potatoes and rice these are yeah. still good foods but you know overconsumption can come with anything yeah exactly yeah so when you did your competition prep did you utilize the macros throughout that journey yeah and then what was your experience stepping on stage and then let's say those four weeks post-show yeah, so um, I had a great experience. I loved it. Um, I didn't know what to expect. Um, you got shredded. <laughs> I, yes, I did. Actually, the second year of competing was when I, I think I got, I was more shredded. I think the first show was more, the most balanced look I had, honestly. Um, maybe because it was my first show. Um, I don't know, different things. But um, I also had a different coach. Um, so um, yeah, tracked macros and had a great experience. I would do it all over again. I loved it. Um, and post-show, so I did I did three shows that year. So I never really, you know, I did reverse diet in between shows um, a little bit just because you, know, you couldn't stay low calorie the entire time. But I was after the first season, right? Reverse dieting, that was mentally it was one of the hardest things I had ever experienced as any competitor can understand. Um, seeing yourself shredded, anything after that is fat. Like you just, <laughs> once you see yourself that lean, uh, you know, getting back to a healthier body fat is really hard transition. So, you know, that was, that was, that was very, very difficult, very difficult. And I think one thing I've noticed with competitors is like, they kind of like lie to themselves or they're like, oh, I can maintain this weight. You know, this is realistic for me. And it's like, is it though? Because you, no. you don't really look healthy. You might think that that's what the, the vision of health is. And if you're in like the personal training space or you're a coach yourself, you might feel like you need to maintain it for your image. But I mean, it, it just, it's so hard on the body. I mean, I remember looking at myself and I was like, 120 pounds and I'm, I'm five, six. So what me 120 pounds is very, very lean. And yeah. I was like, I can maintain this. And I like look back and I'm like, you idiot. No, you yeah. can't. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll look back at pictures because that's one thing I would have done differently. If I, I mean, I don't regret competing, but I would have taken a longer improvement season and I would have allowed myself to gain more fat. So mm -hmm. my, my mistake was I, I went back, I rushed back to the stage the following year, but I also tried to maintain an unhealthy level of leanness in between seasons. Um, and yeah, looking back at pictures, I was thinking, I thought, what in the world? Like, what was I thinking? Like, that is, mm -hmm. that is, that is way too lean for an improvement season. Like, you, how did you even build any muscle? which I know I didn't because, you know, looking at pictures, uh, show pictures, the following season, you know, Sandy would, you know, the head judge compared pictures and she's like, and she was right. There's no improvement. Oh, I, wow, I, she did that for you? Yeah, yeah. And, and she compared, uh, I did two of the same shows and we compared pictures and she's like, you don't, you need more muscle. You just mm -hmm. you need more fullness, basically. Well, her fullness means more muscle, actually, really, when it comes down to it. And so I just was eye-opening. My second season was just eye-opening to me that, you know what, if I want to continue in the sport, I need to take more than a few months off uh, to grow muscle and, and get bigger. And I cannot be competitive in the sport if I continue to do this. Um, so yeah, that's, it was, like I said, I loved competing, but um, I would have done things differently for sure.
Yeah. I think a lot of people also aren't willing to take that time off. And then if that's you, like you shouldn't be doing bodybuilding. You know, I um, entered this improvement season ready to take at least a year, if not maybe even two and a half years off. And when I tell people that it's so annoying because then they're like, so when are you returning to stage? It's like, technically, I I never really left because I have the intentions to go back and we need to stop making it a big deal when these girls take two years to get healthy and then you say like, oh, you're back. It's like, no, they never left. They're still working. Right. Uh, they're still lifting. They're, they're just focused on other areas of like their health and health isn't just the stage. And I think exactly. people have this misconception of when you're not competing, you're not lifting, you're not paying attention to <laughs> nutrition, you're just being sloppy and that's not yeah. the case. And exactly. you know, some people do gain a little bit more weight than others. And that's the case when they have to get healthy um, with some of these hormonal issues that can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They are still doing the work. They're still yeah. doing the work that it just doesn't, people think that the work is the stage, but no, the, the work is when in between shows between mm-hmm. that's where the work is put in. And there's like, yeah, there's a misconception of what this entails and what it looks like. And so it's, it's great when they are, there are competitors who do take extended time away from the stage to show that this is, this is what it's supposed to look like, you know, not, yeah every after only a couple of months off like that's not yeah. how it works yeah, yeah I'm not like super naturally gifted for the sport I can't be shredded on 2,000 calories I can't um maintain five 10 pounds above stage weight and genuinely be eating a ton of food because there are those rare anomalies so that they can do that um but that's not like the rule that's not the normal yeah. um yeah. And that's okay. I know that about myself. And I know that if I want to have longevity in the sport, that it's going to have to come in cycles of prep and not prep. Yes, exactly. So what made you decide to step away from the stage and focus on reverse dieting, like for the, for a longer term of time, like what was the wake up call? Uh, well, so that was after, after my second season, um, things, you know just, what year it was, by uh, 2019, 2019. Yeah. So I, my first year competing was 2018. The second year it was 2019. I did two shows and, um, things just kind of fell apart. Like my body, I had been running on empty for so long. Uh, I just, uh, the body is resilient, but it can only take so much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would go live off of you know, four, five hours of sleep. I did crazy stuff. Um, you know, I lived off of caffeine and energy drinks and pre-workout and things like that, but still be so exhausted. Um, I did get my menstrual cycle back after a month, but that's, that's, which is great. Right. But that's only part of the picture. And I was still eating a lot, but things were, I, things were a mess. My digestion, um, um, you know, my labs were a mess. My energy was horrible. Um, you know, I was, of course, no libido, um, all those things that all those things that kind of get worse through extended dieting. Um, and at some point I just was like, I just knew something was wrong. Like I, this is not, this is not good. This is not normal. Um, so then I reached out to Jason Theobald, who's still currently my coach, um, who helped me work through these issues and kind of got me back on track. So like I had a lot of adrenal issues, thyroid, no progesterone, um, estrogen dominance, you know, insulin resistance, like all those things. Yeah. A lot of those, um, 
hormonal issues that you just mentioned are, are very common in like the chronic competitor or the competitor that's not taking time off or adding enough body fat post-show. I can mm-hmm. kind of relate to what you said of like not feeling like yourself. And like 2019, I I actually never lost my period with my prep and I don't work with this coach anymore, but I was literally doing sometimes upwards of two to three hours of cardio a day. Um, And I'll never forget him saying like, the reason why you're not losing more weight is you're just not moving enough in a day. And I was like, really? Cause my step watch says I'm getting 20 to 25,000 steps a day. I don't think I can move much more than this. And my body literally did not lose weight for four months in that prep of me going balls to the wall pushing so hard I didn't realize how bad I was pushing myself because I was almost in like a tunnel vision like groundhogs say like let's wake up and let's do it again um but after that I was gaining weight rapidly on pretty low calories I would sleep 10 hours a day and wake up exhausted um I would still need my energy drinks just to function and I was like this just doesn't feel right. I feel inflamed. I feel puffy. My face, my like lymph node area looks so inflamed. And like, I feel so bad. I look back at videos of myself and I'm like, you're just so uncomfortable. And I know that you are. Um, And we were even looking for like engagement rings at the time. And so when I got size, I was dealing with all that inflammation and now it's like, this thing is super loose on me. And it's not because of the weight, because I'm actually relatively about the same weight. Yeah. But that inflammation, that, that, that bad feeling was still yes. with me. Um, and only, you know, your body, that's why it's so important to pay attention to the biofeedback and not just like, Oh, like the scale's okay. It's like, no, but like, how are you feeling? Yes, exactly. Yeah. A ton of, I same, same here. I look back at pictures. I was so inflamed, like I'm just puffy and, um, just uncomfortable, um, yeah, it's just crazy what, what the body does. It's just basically, you know, telling you like it, it you need to pull back and um, allow yourself to just relax. I was just, you know, still training five days a week on four hours of sleep, you know, waking up at two o'clock in the morning to, to get to the gym by three o'clock, just insane yeah. stuff. Um, and then of course, you know, not being so exhausted, but then not being able to sleep and then waking up multiple times during the middle of the night. So all those things are classic signs of, you know, cortisol dysregulation and yeah, it's a mess. I think the other thing too, is you have to be sick of it too. You have to be sick of this cycle. Oh, you have exactly. to realize it's not going to get better. I think a lot of people think that I can work through this. I'm a hard worker, you know, I can push through and that's not the case. You actually have to do the opposite to correct these issues. Yeah, exactly. You have to be, yeah, when you, yeah, exactly. You, you hit the nail on the head. I was finally so sick of being sick, so sick of my own BS. Like this is not, this is not the way to do it, you know? So yeah, time to do things differently. How did you get out of that bad place? Like what did your recovery look like? You don't have to really go into detail supplementation because they don't want people to like copy and paste it right, for right. themselves <laughs> um, because people will do that. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, I get it, yeah. More so like the habits and things like that you had to change. Yeah. Okay. So the big one was, well, one of the biggest things that helped propel this was uh, Jason had me cut back training from five days a week to only twice a week, like (laughs) right off the bat. Right. So that was mentally the hardest thing for me to do. 
uh, because you know training was as a lot of people they rely on it for stress relief. That's what they do. That's how they identify themselves. Um, so by 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 default, only training twice a week. What else did I have to do but to sleep? Like I had no place else to go. You know, so um, definitely cutting back, pulling back on training, and getting more sleep. That was I think the number one thing that I had to do that helped me mm-hmm. because I was so sleep deprived. Um, so getting more sleep, prioritizing sleep and actually cutting out all caffeine, like just all coffee, energy drinks, all that cold turkey. I, I could not, was not allowed to have it. Um, and it was incredible. Just finally allowing my body to know what it feels like to have energy, like natural energy on its own. Um, that, and then of course, you know, we had to go through a period with my, with my nutrition, just pulling back on things that could possibly be inflammatory, um, and then also reverse diet, um, bring the calories up higher. Um, so those were like, I think about that sleep. Yeah. Stress, stress management, of course, we're doing restorative yoga. So actually like slowing down. Oh, that's the other thing. So I'm, I'm your, well, I think most black competitors are type a, you know, go, go, go. Um, so I really had to, uh, allow myself to slow down. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to sit down and actually watch TV and be quote unquote lazy. Cause in my mind, if you did that, you're lazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I allowed myself to sit down and just relax um, and let like the dishes sit in the sink, uh, do laundry, you know, things that, you know, as, as moms or women, like we get kind of crazy. Like I was crazy. Like I had a to-do list I had to get done. And like, you know, there were all these things. So I had to let it go. I had to let just let it go and just relax and just, you know, de-stress. That was huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even for myself now, it's funny that you mentioned the dishes, but like, I'm very grateful that I can hire a cleaning service. And it's like my treat for myself. Cause I'm like, this just takes stress off of me. Like I worry mm-hmm. about it. I think about it. Someone else is going to do a better job of it and running my business. I mean, I used to burn myself out where I give myself one day off and I would still find myself working. And I'm like, no, like sit on your butt, watch TV, like go, go to the store and just walk around. You know, it's okay to not have anything on your to-do list and not feel bad about it. And I think it's hard when you are that person that is very type A, I have to be productive. It's like, that's why you're burnt out. That's why you're in this place. So like, you have to learn how to recharge and recharging looks different for everyone. And then you have to learn how to recharge outside the gym. Absolutely. Exactly. When, you know, when, and I've done this with my own clients where I had to pull back on training, like, well, what do I do? I'm like, well, you have to find other ways to de-stress. You know, the gym is not therapy, you know, mm-hmm. that's always been the, the excuse like, well, that's my therapy. That's my time away. Um, there's other ways to identify to relax other than the gym. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different things like, you know, even if you have a bathtub, like go take a bath and go lay down for a bit. Like it doesn't have to be this crazy hobby or anything, but there's, there's things you can do that are relaxing and everybody has what they enjoy. Um, I hate reading books. So like people who love to read books, (laughs) I wish I could be you, but you know, you can listen to podcasts like this Uh, and relax (laughs) and you, you have to recharge. Um, I'm sure that you were also supplementing to help support your body. I remember when I got my labs done, I was like, I have to take all of that every single day. <laughs> I had to buy, I had to buy a special like a uh, pill container 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so many pills. I'm like, I am not going to be opening up, opening, closing up 20 different bottles a day. So yeah, there were, you know, certain supplements that, that I took that helped um, along this process. And of course it's, it's all unique and individual to the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was, that was part of it too. And when you got your blood work done, did you go through your GP or did you go through like an independent lab? Well, actually both. So I do have uh, a doctor who does run labs, but I also wanted to get them tested more frequently because Jason wanted to test that after three months. So I went through life extension a lot mm-hmm. of times and just got their weight loss comprehensive panel um, uh, to get things tested. For everyone listening, write that down. I get so many DMs on what panel it is. Weight loss comprehensive panel. If you are, um, if you're not on birth control and you have a natural cycle, you should be going around roughly day 21 of your cycle. So you should be using an app to also track your cycle, which is super important. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, time it with your menstrual cycle. Yes, I always recommend menstrual apps. I think they're super beneficial. Yeah, I have one. I have one too. Although, like, um, I have a the aura ring that that really that tracks my body temperature. So I usually know when I'm going to get my period based off of that. Does but it do really feel- track your temperature? Huh? I didn't know that. Yeah, it, t- it doesn't track the actual temperature. It doesn't say like 98.7, mm-hmm. but it knows the variance of it's plus or minus. So I'll notice that in the luteal phase, my temperature goes up. It's plus, you know, point, whatever. Like it just steadily goes up. And then the day it drops is the day I know that I'm gonna get my period. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. So if I do, I do have a period tracker too. My problem is, and so I recently started doing the the temperatures, but I keep having interrupted sleep literally every two and a half hours. So then I can't even test it. Cause it's like, you have to sleep at least three hours. So I'm like, what is going oh. on? I like have to get up and go pee in the middle of the night. Um, so I'm hoping that my sleep can get a little bit better so I can start using that more frequently. Yeah. Does it have to be exactly three hours? Or I think it, I think it's three hours. Um, oh, okay. I'll have to double check and reach out to the people because I use natural cycles and it's just like a phenometer and app, um, which you don't have to use an app. You can literally just get your own and chart it. But I um yeah, I've just been having issues where I'm not sleeping enough. And I think you have to fully rest, which I think mm-hmm. takes around three to four hours to get that okay. um body temperature. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but it was cool when I when my sleep was good the, that first week. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you get to learn things about the body. Yeah, I mean that's a I mean that's another thing growth control and that's another topic for another day. But I get so much backlash whenever I post anything about that. <laughs> about birth control, like yeah. not not being on birth control. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about your social media and what. Like, what is your mission, I guess, with your Instagram? Because I know you're a coach, but let's talk about just Instagram. Uh, basically, trying to teach women to break out of the life of restriction, to stop chronically dieting, allow themselves to uh, be comfortable with putting on some body fat, um, living at maintenance, um, eating enough to fuel the body and build muscle. So just choosing abundance over restriction and trying to break that cycle. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, my friend Kate and I, we talked about how you should not just be hiring a coach to diet. You should be hiring a coach to take you through multiple different phases. Um, and reverse dieting is just as important as dieting, even maintaining. So many people will overlook maintenance and they're like, what's next? What's next? And it's like, yeah. focus on the now. Like there's still things that you can improve in maintenance if it's your food quality or even just um, your performance or improve, I always feel like biofeedback can improve. So it's like, there's always something you can improve. So like, don't feel like the only time it's exciting is when you're losing body fat. Exactly. Exactly. That's, I'm trying to preach that also how uh, maintenance is still a goal. It's a mm -hmm. great goal to have. Uh, I think people dismiss it too much and think that because they're not making progress in their mind, which is always related to the scale, that it's not a goal, but it is definitely a goal in itself. And it's a super important goal because this is where you should be living most of your life. So that is a pretty big goal, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you don't just like blow that off. That's a huge part of your life. It should be the opposite. Most people have been on a diet majority of their life. It should be the opposite to that. Exactly. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. When I look back to, I mean, I first started dieting when I was and like playing around with dieting when, when I was 14. And I also mm -hmm. talk about like how I struggled with disordered eating, but you know, you have to be careful. You have to go into a fat loss phase of good intentions. You're not going to magically hit a certain number on the scale and then love yourself. Like it doesn't work yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot of, a lot of misconceptions and, you know, a lot of women fall into this also where the, their first diet worked, and then they're like, the subsequent ones didn't work as well, or, you know, they didn't get the same results. So a lot of that could be just, you know, just always under eating and not really necessarily knowing it knowingly or unknowingly. Right. So, um, you know, that's another important reason why you have to reverse diet and just really stay at maintenance. So your body can, you know, restore the metabolism and all the you know, hormonal down regulations that happen so that when you do decide to go into another fat loss phase, your body will respond. Mm -hmm. What would you say is your favorite part about helping women through this phase? Uh, reverse dieting? Yeah. Yeah. Um, helping the mindset part, because that's the hardest part for women, right? They just getting over this, you know, they, they associate any weight gain as fat gain and um, helping them understand to look at the big picture, the, the long-term goal, right? There are a lot of them are short-sighted and they just can't delay immediate gratification. Talk about that so much. Um, but I think getting the mindset part, just helping them overcome that and giving them confidence in their body, in their not, not their leanest self, right? There's so much good that can come out of, so much life that is in, you know, fueling the body properly. And so I think the mindset parts that for me is, is the, the best part. Yeah. And just focusing on like long-term results, right. not short-term. Exactly. I like had the best conversation yesterday of a client and she told me like, you know, I don't want to rush into my next diet. And she's been like reversing for like eight months now. She's just like, I want to be like this one person you posted and they've been working with you for like two years. And I'm like, thank God. Cause like, you know, working with a coach, I mean, even for yourself, you said like, it just helped accelerate your progress and teach you so much. And like, the longer you're working with a coach, like the more you're going to learn. And there's probably a lot of uncomfortable things you didn't recognize that you thought are normal. Um, and I think that's awesome that you're wanting to help these women overcome these fears and misconceptions, because, you know, it's really needed before 
you know, you're helping the future generations too. Like your daughter, when, when she gets older, you're helping women see like, oh, I can be strong. Like I don't have to just shrink myself all the time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, most of my, the ladies that come to me are not coming to me for fat loss. So that's, I love that. They're coming to me for other goals. They want to help with reverse dieting. They want to live at maintenance. They want to go into a surplus. So to me, that's exciting. You know, I would, I say fat loss, all of it's hard, right? But I think fat loss is relatively easy compared to all those other stages. Um, so yeah, getting women on board that there's more to life than being, you know, the smallest version of yourself. And there's so much life and abundance when you move away from that lifestyle and mindset. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. Um, Okay, so we're going to end the podcast with what is one piece of advice that you wish that you could have given yourself when you first started your fitness journey? And, you know, this could be the version of you when you first found lifting or, you know, when you were a sophomore in high school, whichever one you decide. Um, I would say that you don't have to shrink yourself um, to be happy. Like, you don't have to be a smaller version of yourself. I really wish someone was there to tell me, like, you know, eat lift, get strong, build muscle, focus on that and not necessarily being smaller or leaner. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I do feel like happiness really comes like within and, you know, having not just self-love, but self-worth for yourself, because if you really respect yourself, like you wouldn't be abusing your body. You wouldn't be starving yourself, just like even overconsumption. Like you wouldn't be drinking all right. the time. You wouldn't be doing that if you truly loved yourself. Like Loving yourself looks like nourishing your body. And um, unfortunately, that's a foreign concept. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. We're, we're, I feel like we are, you know, fighting up, fighting an uphill battle against like diet culture. Um, it's hard. You know, it's just, you know, a lot of women come from, you know, decades of thinking the opposite. Uh, but hopefully, you know, with, with people like yourself and other good, great coaches in the space, uh, we're going to turn this tide and change the narrative once and for all. Yeah, definitely takes time. So guys, definitely make sure that you check out Juan down below in the description. You will love her Instagram. It's always getting me inspired. And um, if I share her content, you know, go check her out, go give her a like, go give her a follow. And is there anything else that you want people to follow you on or anything else you want to mention before we log on off today? No, just, uh, you can just find me on Juan um, Juan D Wellness. Oh my gosh, I changed my Instagram handle like a few months ago, and sometimes I actually like stutter. Like I don't know my own Instagram. Oh handle. my gosh, I had so many people asking me if I would change my handle because I got married like a month ago. They're like, "Are you um, changing your last name on like Instagram?" I'm like, "Absolutely not." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, who is this girl? Who's this Nicole? Like I don't recognize. Yeah, it's a transition, but yeah, thank you for having me on. You know, it's, it's a real honor. Um, I really appreciate that you took the time to, to do this. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey guys, on the Beyond the Bikini podcast, you know I talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be hard to hit the gym consistently, track your macros to a T, and feel like you're making progress. So rather you're a newbie in the gym or someone who's been hitting the gym consistently but possibly hit a plateau, then I recommend you check out my one-on-one -on -one coaching. No, I do not only coach prep clients, but I coach lifestyle clients as well. 
I would love to hear more about your goals, so feel free to apply for my one-on-one coaching down below at the link. There we can discuss what you're wanting to accomplish in the gym, with your relationship with food, and how I can help you reach your goals.